Have you ever thought about the movies you watched when you were a kid or a teenager that you haven't seen since? How would they hold up if you watched them today? Would they even be the same movie? You are listening to We Are Not Young Anymore, the podcast where we question everything we ever believed about the movies we watched when we were younger and stupider. I'm Chris Egerton. I'm Drew Mackey. And how long has it been since you heard this? You... You are gonna fuck me over, aren't you? Oh, for Christ's sake. You are. Are you retarded or just brain dead from whipping fumes out there in the swamp? That's what I am to you, isn't it? Swamp trash, just like my mom. Don't. (gasps) You stupid cop! So yes, that was a clip from Wild Things, the 1998 erotic thriller uh, directed by John McNaughton, starring Matt Dillon, Denise Richards, Nev Campbell, Teresa Russell, uh, Bill Murray, uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, Mm -hmm. also stars in it, uh, Robert Wagner, Um, and it came out on March 20th, 1998. It was not a box office success necessarily. It made about $30 million, but then it went to video and was a huge hit. Blockbuster Nights. And spawned three direct-to-DVD sequels. It is about uh, two... Well, it's about a high school girl who basically accuses her guidance counselor of raping her. And then another girl, played by Nev Campbell, also accuses the guy of raping her. And then it goes from there and becomes this very twisty, erotic thriller with lots of big reveals. Uh, so our, many reveals. Like the so entire last many. third is just reveal after reveal. Oh, and we're Kevin not, Bacon. We're, Kevin we're Bacon's in it, too. Kevin Bacon's, uh, oh, Kevin Bacon's. Kevin Bacon and his penis. I was going to say, we're not talking about Kevin Bacon's penis. I, no, I'm, but we I'm, are. I, we will, we, I will talk about Kevin Bacon's penis. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that other voice you're hearing is Alicia Grouso. She's our special guest, formerly of Movie Pilot, uh, and who I have known for a while, just from various press-related things. And she is here uh, guesting for us now. Alicia, say hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank you for talking about this twisty erotic thriller with us. Thank you for coming all the way from Santa Monica. From Santa Monica. I think that's a record so far. No problem. I need things to get me out of the West Side. Otherwise, I would never leave because I'm a hermit. And I'm like, anything past the 405 is scary. And I don't like to go there. So so thank you for making me get out of my shell. She did the very un-LA thing of taking public transit to get here, which is shocking. And commendable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm attached to my car. Um, so yeah, so we are talking about wild things and I will start. I saw this movie for the first time, uh, on DVD and I liked it. I thought it was like a really fun sort of naughty erotic thriller. Mm -hmm. I was like 17 when this movie came out and I just thought, Ooh, this is like kind of naughty and like taboo a little bit. And there's like a threesome and uh, Denise Richards and Nev Campbell are making out. And, you know, it was just, it just felt like um, sort of a, like sort of in the showgirls vein, like something that 
at that age, I felt like, oh, I probably shouldn't be watching this, but it's kind of You really shouldn't have been watching it. It was rated R. Well, I was 17. Wait, is 17 old enough to go see rated R's or is it 18? Yes, it's 17 and older. Okay. Okay. Um, You know, I was like right on the cusp. It's been a while. Uh, And so I really enjoyed it and had a lot of fun with like the campier aspects of um, the film, like with the her throwing the water glass, Denise Richards' character throwing the water glass in the courtroom, and mm-hmm. Teresa Russell's character as her mother. Her like, um, I don't want to use a derogatory term, but her mother is promiscuous, a wanton woman. Yeah. If yes, you will. thank you. Yeah. So, and I remember liking it very much and thinking it was a lot of fun to watch as a teenager. How about you, Alicia? Oh man, I was the same age. I was I was seventeen. I was would have been a senior in high school, and. It was the same, like I was in a, I grew up in a little tiny town, you know, you just didn't talk about sex and you definitely didn't talk about sex with two women and, you know, two girls making out and in a pool. Yeah. And it was, it was titillating, if you will, and kind of scandalous. And it was one of those movies that your friends all talked about and you kind of whispered to each other, but you weren't allowed to see it in theaters. Like, no. So you wait until DVD. And that Mm. is exactly why the DVD sale, I think I would I would imagine the vast majority of the DVD sales were, or was it still VHS? No, it was DVD. It would, I think it was like transitioning yeah. from VHS to DVD. I would really wonder how many of those sales were like teenage and like college age boys. I bet you it was a lot. Yeah. It was a big percentage. Or, or girls that had not yet accepted their lesbianism. Right. Yet, and that was yeah. their, that was their sexual that awakening. Was their trigger. Yeah. 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 I, I would imagine mostly young men. And maybe probably a lot of older men yeah. who were too yeah. embarrassed to like buy a ticket. So here I thought, I heard it was really suspenseful, honey. Let's watch this. Yeah. Although why would it be more, I guess, why would you feel worse buying a ticket than just going to the block? Because you had to go to Blockbusters back then. You had to go to Blockbusters. You actually yeah. had to like yeah. rent a physical copy. So that yeah. would have been actually kind of awkward too. But anyway, yeah. um, what about you, Drew? I was one of the people who owned this on VHS, not DVD. Um, oh, you I, owned it. So I did because it was one of those things when um, after it comes out, Blockbuster gets a ton of them and then they sell off all their extra stock for like oh. five bucks. Mm-hmm. And I am almost positive this movie did not play in my hometown, which only had one theater with like very few screens because we didn't really get salacious movies. And I think this would have been too racy for my crappy hometown because if it had planted my hometown, I would have gone to see it because I love Nev Campbell because of Scream. Mm-hmm. And that would have been enough for me to be like, oh, I'll just see anything Nev Campbell does, apparently. Um, didn't see it in theater, saw it on DVD, bought it, watched it. Um, and yeah, I was a teenage boy who watched it, but I was not super into the uh, girl-on-girl scenes. I actually, I thought it was really good. I thought it was like suspenseful and surprising and had a really unpredictable plot. I remember showing it to people and be like, you have to watch this movie. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, like this is a lesbian sex movie. I'm like, no, no, it's good. Like <laughs> it has a good plot. The writing's right. really good. But yes, also and, that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't know you were gay? No, okay. no, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe yes. <laughs> That's like saying you like read Playboy for the articles. That's yeah. like the equivalent. They have some really good articles in old Playboys. Like well, there's some really true. good writing in there. That's but, true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. So um, I added to the I added to the VHS gross of this movie. I what's interesting about this movie, and I was talking about this with my boyfriend last night, is that this came out the same year as Cruel Intentions. I, I was just I was thinking of that when I was watching this. It was like there was that '90s vein of like kind of the scandalous teenagers doing the. It was like the rich white teenagers whose parents were train wrecks yeah. who mm-hmm. just all had sex with each other. Like yeah. that was that was a weird subgenre of '90s 
and like that was movies. A, and that was a point too, where like two women kissing on screen was still seen as scandalous and crazy. People had limited internet access, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like the internet was still. I don't know. I will correct infancy. you though. Cruel Intentions is 1999, not 1998. What? Yeah, because it's no. Not, I, that's impossible. It's not on our list. <laughs> if Cruel Intentions came out in 1998, we would be doing that this year, and we're not. It wasn't a movie that came. Are up. you sure? I'm literally. How, I'm looking this up we, right now. No, missed... because so Alicia, you don't know this about me, but I'm really good with knowing what year a movie came out. There's, oh, I'm. There's no way we were 99. It's 99? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I'm so wrong. Yeah. We would That's have, so rare. We would have already lined up a guest for that episode because okay. like oh. there are all, all, all of we 30-year-olds, 30 30-somethings are dying to talk about Cruel Intentions. So. Okay, well, so, okay, fine. I accept that I'm wrong. Next year. Um, but we will talk about Cruel Intentions in, 19, in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, but, but there was a whole like girl-on-girl thing. What's interesting to me looking back on being a teenager and like being in my early twenties is there was a whole thing back then. And I don't know if this was just like in my town or my friends or what, but girls would like make out with each other in bars or at parties just to like, like, so the guys could be like, woo. Yeah. Like, and that was a whole phenomenon back then. And I, I'm curious to know whether, like, movies like this sort of spawned that phenomenon. Probably. I mean, for and me... I don't know. Maybe that's a thing that still happens with the youths now. <laughs> the we, youths? Don't, we don't know any yeah. youths. Well, the youths are now too busy trying to get gun control legislation yeah, passed and, well, you know, and tearing are. down the, the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. they're, oh God, they're the, focused on all the wrong they've things. They've been <laughs> fed a steady diet of young adult novels and smashing the... <laughs> the corrupt uh, adult government. So they're busy doing other things. Well, oh my God. Good I, for them. I didn't think about that, but those kids all read all those YA novels about overthrowing dystopias. Exactly. Oh my God. They've been trained. Well, we they grew up on Harry Potter. Like they grew up on no, YA. They Street. grew up on dystopian YA literature and Harry Potter. Yeah. They've literally been trained since childhood of how to overthrow a blind and corrupt adult wow. like structure. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They don't, they don't care about They've been in training things. their whole lives. Yeah. Our generation was so fucked. You know, I think you were asking about if it if that kind of ushered in that kind of genre of like scandalous kind of teen movies. And it's interesting because I feel like our generation was the generation before people talked about stuff. Yeah. Like it yeah. was scandalous to see two girls kissing because nobody really talked about gay you know being gay or gay rights or you know as openly do now nobody really talked about things like you know the some of the clear mental disorders or you know personality issues exhibited in both of those movies mm-hmm. nobody talked about that nobody talked about teenagers you know having sex and then things so it, sexual right. fluidity or also women yeah. really enjoying sex which is uh, something yeah. this well, movie arguably does to an extent and that's a, another thing that maybe it took a while for people or to very much in that, like basic instinct mold like women yes. using their sexuality well, in, oh, in a true. villain sense that's actually yeah. true then that predated this movie by mm-hmm. many years so it could have been basic instinct that kind of start like kicked this whole subgenre off but there was do you remember that episode of ally mcbeal where calista flockhart and lucy Liu kissed and it was like a huge deal i think so it was 90s if it wasn't yeah. or I, will and grace when jack and will kissed too that's different two men kissing does not true. have the same true. sexual yeah. like that's napalm true. effect of two hot women kissing because yeah. isn't that the straight male fantasy like oh it's so hot when two women kiss because they just fantasize that they're in between them mm-hmm. I, I actually don't understand the psychology behind that fantasy necessarily well because, nor should you be expected to yeah mm-hmm. so we ask <laughs> none a, of us are straight, straight men <laughs> straight people please tell us we ask a straight it. guy yeah, yeah like what is that fantasy uh tweet tweet at chris 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or Drew. Chris or and Drew don't get it. I yeah. don't get it. So yeah, I watched um, Julian Kissing. I'm like, okay. I, one thing I have to say is I love Denise Richards' character because I had a thing for watching like bad girls on screen. Like oh especially gosh, yes. like privileged bad girls. I had a whole like fantasy about what that was. Like I wasn't obviously attracted to her at all. But I just liked watching women acting out on screen like that. And so I had like a special like affinity for her character and just how like um, just like throwing the water glass in the courtroom and like throwing the books at Matt Dillon just in like the school Dallas-esque, hallway. Just like Dallas-esque. Yes. Just with her, like, Just yes. soap opera. It was with such her a... like perfectly quaffed hair. She looks she looks like a million fucking bucks in this movie. She's like the, a very good teenage bad girl. I yes. she and even it, though she was yeah. like 25 when they shot the movie it's but, true did yeah. we know but I, who, I still loved her from Sto- uh, Starship Troopers yeah I was gonna say that was before this movie mm-hmm. came out but did, it was, I think it was it was within a few months did people know who she was was it like hey it's the chick from Starship Troopers or I think was that's it like, what it was because she's billed beneath Teresa Russell in the opening credits and I think that's like absolutely bizarre that Kevin Bacon, Matt Dillon, Nev Campbell, and Teresa fucking Russell, who most people necessarily wouldn't even know her name, yeah. get billed above Denise Richards, considering where she would go in the like, past years. I think she'd only done Starship Troopers, and everybody knew her as, like, the, like I think she did Noxima. No, I'm conf- confusing That's her true. with Rebecca Gayhart. She was Never in, mind. She, she was, was in, another 90s girl that was, like, a hot thing for a minute and then just yeah. went nowhere. So. I want to say Denise Richards, I maybe have never enjoyed her acting as much as I enjoyed it in this movie because this role is so suited for her very particular set of talents. She Which ex- is agreed. limited. Sexy, bitchy, angry. I have to petulant. say, yeah. she's actually good in the movie. She she's- gives me body envy. I will say, I'm like, okay, like she's super hot. Like I <laughs> have leg envy. Like there was the scene with her washing. Her. I, yeah. The scene of her washing his car. I was like, I got to get to the gym and do squats. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, like I was sitting yeah. On my chair, like watching it, you know, on my laptop, and I was just like looking down. I was eating pizza or something. And I was like, "Damn, I gotta get to the gym." <laughs> right. Here's my question: How much of Denise Richards? <laughs> I knew this is face where you're going. Is re- and this is so probably not right right now. How much of her face? Like, how much do you think she's had work? Because she's well, beautiful. I think like, she's she's, a, she's, admitted- she's beautiful and she's always been like super gorgeous. But she's I never yeah. knew if she had work done she, on her nose. She definitely looks like doll like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and she's definitely like if you were to put together like a weird science sort of um, uh, archetype of what guys are stereotypically into, like she would be the results. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think she's open. I could be wrong about this. We will fact check this. I think she has been pretty open about the fact that she has breast implants. Mm-hmm. But as to her face, I have no idea. Yeah. Can we give her a shout out, though, for just surviving Charlie Sheen? Yeah. Because, I mean, she may not have yeah. been, she may not have had much of a career, but that's that's got to take some inner resilience to she, be able to survive she's still a marriage alive. to Charlie Sheen. Like, Did you guys Charlie ever see her like reality her show? Somehow. I heard her reality show was like kind of good, but it was only on for like a season. I didn't see it. Like that she was actually like really likable and It was her and her like kid, wasn't it? Or her and her kid or something like that? I think so. I think, I don't know Uh, if the kids were on it, but it was definitely like her daily life. Do do you guys remember her on 30 Rock? Huh? Do you guys remember her on 30 Rock? Oh, I don't kind of vaguely. I think it's like the most brilliant self-aware thing she's ever done. But um, Tracy Jordan's character, uh, Tracy Morgan's character, Tracy Jordan, says something stupid and then backpedals. And he's like, hey, like, give me a break. I'm an idiot. I say stupid things all the time. Like, I can't be held up to too high of a standard because I'm an idiot. So Denise Richards comes forward as herself, as the spokesperson for the Idiots of America. (laughs) Um, And to say that, like, Tracy defamed idiots 
because he demeaned what idiots are capable of. Idiots are capable of a lot of great things if they like really try really hard. And like their best line is she's talking about her film career and she's like, I played a nuclear psychiatrist in a James Bonk movie. <laughs> so fucking good. It's such a great episode. And she did it. Gotta, gotta give her credit for I forgot for, that she was she, in. My God, she was in a Dr. Christmas she, Jones. She was Christmas a Bond girl. Oh Christmas my Jones, whose name is one only... of the best fake names ever. Seriously, what happened to her? I was like, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, she was in so many more things than I. She was like, she had, she, that was realized. like the high point. It was like the late Again, 90s. like yeah. the late 90s. There, it was her, such a string of people that you thought Undercover they were going to be the next big thing and then Which it's a funny movie and she's good in it but like really the world is not enough was her high point and then things started to yeah down. it's like the american pie crew they were the same way yeah. like nobody she must have so much money though because of charlie sheen right yeah pro- i i guess i have no idea what they're i'm sure she's doing fine he didn't shoot her like he shot <laughs> we're Kelly all Preston, worried about so. denise we're all worried about denise yeah, but i think she's like this is definitely her best role ever yeah, better the best than she's ever been in a movie or ever will be. In it's a movie. it's not a movie. It's so weird because I feel like it almost feels it doesn't feel like she's in a different movie, but it feels like she was the only one that kind of realized like oh, we're not supposed to take this seriously. Like we can be totally over the top. Like Matt Dillon kind of had to play the straight man, as did Kevin Bacon. But but well, to I guess even I guess even yeah. Nev Campbell too. Like Nev Campbell and uh, Denise Richards were able to just kind of be. Like Nev Campbell got that real white trash Southern yeah. Florida swamp Although accent. Although Nev Campbell, she was basically like um, Sydney Prescott from the wrong side of the tracks in this movie. Yes. Okay, Chris, yeah. I have a very specific question for you. Okay. Nev Campbell's performance, did it remind you of anyone in particular? Um, Trick question. I'm not sure what you're getting at. She's doing Feruza Balk. It looks like she's yes. just like, oh I'm just going to yes. play this role Another like one that where it, there She did American History X and then... She just. She was also in the Waterboy. Flamed out, and oh, she was true. in that Nicolas Cage movie. What was it called? Uh, Bad Lieutenant. You didn't think yeah. like her styling and presentation and like physical presence reminded well, you of Caruso? You know, because uh, you know what it was. That was it was '90s goth. That was that was the look yeah. they were going for. Like it's there was that again. The '90s had such clear, like caricatures like mm-hmm. the hacker yeah. or the goth like she was the troubled goth like oh she's troubled or she's like from the wrong side of the track so she's immediately a goth right like I yeah didn't, i didn't think feruza when i saw her in this um i, I just thought nev campbell has a very specific acting style and very yeah. specific i kind of liken her to Kristen stewart at least Kristen Stewart from her Twilight days, where like every movie she kind of had the same mannerisms and mm-hmm. didn't seem fully like lost in whatever character she was playing because she was always like doing the Kristen Stewart thing. Yeah. I kind of liken her. She to always Nev kind Campbell of plays like the, the disaffected 90s. character, so that was almost part of it too because yeah. her character itself was just kind of too cool or like kind of disaffected so she never felt like she was fully in the role maybe yeah i got such a feruza vibe from the whole thing really? that i could just imagine feruza watching this movie being like what the fuck why wasn't i cast I, in this cast i me. actually think feruza would have been amazing she would have but really again good. i think it was that whole goth thing like the whole 90s yeah goth maybe I, that's I think it. it was less her acting more the aesthetic they were going for because feruza balk also always played the kind of wrong side of the tracks trashy goth girl yeah mm-hmm. Like that was what she unless unless she was in uh, Return to Oz, uh, oh, yeah. which she did when she was ten years old. Yes, we have a whole which episode we've, about which that. We've done yeah for the podcast. That comes up more often than I would have expected. Return to Oz because it um, messed like, us up as kids. I guess that one episode, but yeah. I guess we do talk about Feruza Balk a lot on this show. I do because I love Feruza. Yeah, she's great, and I'm always rooting for her. Yeah, 
and she used to go to my Starbucks. Yeah. Um, but Nev Campbell, like, I always liked her, but I always thought, like, oh, she's kind of just, like, does the same thing in every movie. I think... But she's good. I mean, she's, she's like, not a bad actress, but it was just like, oh, this is, like... She, it just feels so Sidney Prescott-y, mm-hmm. but just in dark clothing, and she's, like, fixing car engines. All like she, of the women in this movie were, like, such caricatures in a way. Like, like they were different caricatures, and maybe I'm looking at this differently as a woman, but they all were different caricatures of different female kind of archetypes. Like, you mm-hmm. had the Lolita in Denise Richards. You had the yeah. goth girl in um, Nev Campbell. And then you had kind of the, the cougary, like, yeah. femme, like, the kind of over-sexualized, like... She seemed like in, yeah. if Jane Krakowski played a dramatic role, she would play this role, maybe. Like, it's like our, our Kim Cattrall, like dramatic turn. Kim Cattrall, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yes. What is it? <sighs> I miss Dad. Jesus. I miss him, too. Sometimes I... No, you don't. He didn't have to kill himself, Kelly. <sighs> Kelly, I... Why oh, did it? I really don't. Can I? Can I get you anything? I'm. Do you want a Valium? I was raped. What? I was raped. I sent one part of. Looking at her filmography, she's been in a ton of stuff. I haven't seen a fucking other thing other than Wild Things. Uh-huh. I'm just like, oh, like she was in a movie called Horror, but she got like some acclaim for this role in Horror. Everything I've heard of horror. I remember seeing that at the blockbuster. Is it? Oh, that was one of those covers that you never forgot. Right. Yeah, because it's called horror. She's apparently a thing, and um, maybe she actually is a good actress who's like camping it up for this role. But like, I feel it, it is odd to but me. But she's that so fun to like. The, she's awesome. Those scenes where she and the, the daughter are going scene. at it, and yeah. just like the courtroom scene. I keep bringing that up. But her, it's like her, so. She's over so the top. Over top. Yeah. Her, her line, my daughter does not get raped in blue. Doesn't Bay. get raped. In blue. Yeah. It was like that's that's a really hard line to like deliver and like not make yourself just sound like an asshole. But she I think sold she, it. She does a really I'd good job. I'd say she sold it. Even yeah. like the first scene, like you knew what you were getting, and her like the, she, you know, Matt Dillon. They pull up in front of the house, and she walks out on the balcony mm. and the the lingerie oh, and the an silk. Entrance. What an entrance! Just and leans, and you're just like, oh. Okay, say yeah. no more. I I get what you're all about. I get totally, what this character's totally. all about. I think one thing the movie does really well is like the shorthand with the characters. Teresa Russell walks out on the balcony. You know exactly what that character is right. immediately. Same with like Bill Murray. Same with all of them. Everyone really. Yeah. Maybe less so Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon. Well, they're sure, not because they are hiding kind of who yeah. they but really are. That's kind of the beauty of this movie and how over the top kind of campy it was because all of those visual cues were such cliches like bill murray with the ambulance chasing mm-hmm. lawyer with the neck brace He's you know and so you're just to uh 
solved from I was just gonna say it, yeah. Red. And so but like, you look at so many of the visual cues were such like, oh, Nev Campbell has black and red hair. She's a goth. Yeah. Oh, you know, her mom walked out in the, the lingerie. Okay, she's a cougar. You know, he Bill Murray's lawyer has a neck brace. Okay, he's kind of a shady ambulance chaser. And I and I found myself kind of laughing at different times going through this movie and mm-hmm. watching it again twenty years later because I was just like my God, this movie was so over the top and just on the nose with everything. There was yeah. no subtlety whatsoever. And that's kind of what makes it amazing. Well, yeah. if you view it as being a noir, though, and you look at like an actual black, black and white noir, it's true. in a noir, it's you true. know who everyone is the moment she walks into like the detective office. You're right. like, okay, this, this, this woman is trouble. Like this guy is like a schlubby loser. Well, they, like the, the, they do shorthand them like that. Right. Like the, one of the examples being like in Double Indemnity, like uh, arguably like the greatest most celebrated noir of all time like i think i back then like she uh barbara stanwick walks down the stairs and she's wearing an anklet mm-hmm. and that was supposed i guess like a racy thing for that time period well, it was like cause it was like back in victorian time periods and the joke is yeah. but you showed your ankles and yeah yeah and you're drawing attention to your ankles. right mm-hmm. uh but this is basically like an old school noir and this is something i read that i thought was a very appropriate review for the movie is it's it's an old school noir but like they show everything you know what i mean yeah. everything they couldn't yeah. show in like the 40s and 50s yeah. like it's all out there now right like literally right. there's there's no this movie doesn't do subtle yeah like, oh. at but that's what, and but that's, that's what makes kind it kind of, what of makes great it fun yeah 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 there are definitely elements in the movie where you're like, uh, you cringe now, like living in the time that it we does do now. not hold up well in the Me Too, uh, in the, in the post Me Too genera- Wait, era. I agree with ex- you. Ex- explain to me why. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Okay. Okay. We go. So on on why it doesn't hold up well. I want to hear. Well, the entire and sorry guys, we're gonna spoil things, but you know we, you've we had spoil, twenty we, years. We, we spoil, we spoil you've had twenty now, years, yeah. so this is really on you. But the whole aspect of because you know we hear now in the post Me Too world as well. When is it going to go too far? When are they going to start? St- you can just make up, you know, something now and mm-hmm. just lie and accuse somebody falsely of rape, and then it'll destroy their lives and their career. And and so it was really interesting watching a movie in which the women were super promiscuous, and mm-hmm. and I've always kind of hated the Lolita type character because it's always again kind of put the blame on the wanton. It's like an Eve, like, oh, it's her fault. It's her fault. Right. They're punished for, for owning yeah. sexuality. Yeah. And so the whole plot line with she falsely accuses her guidance counselor of rape. And then, and I was just like, ooh, okay. Well, this mm-hmm. movie does not. And again, this was made 20 years ago when, you know, Harvey Weinstein was still, you know, sexually abusing dozens and dozens and dozens of women. And so actively it was actively ruining Mira Savino's life in this Actively movie ruining, yes. yeah, people's ruining women's lives. And so it's a very different time not to look back and be like, oh, this is a movie that our plot line that would not get made now that we're a little bit more aware of the fact that, no, the vast majority of women don't make it up. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's really, it was just a really weird, like, cognitive dissonance to look at this and go, I know this was set in the 90s, but watching it now, it's just, oh, there's so many things would in not here get away that with it now. would not, it just makes me really uncomfortable to watch. I think, yeah, it is reflective of a time when women generally were not believed mm-hmm. 20 years ago even women were not believed like that was the default mm-hmm. and i feel like this movie kind of illustrates that mindset of like oh yeah this is like just a thing that women do and that women are manipulative and they they make false accusations to get something out of someone mm-hmm. and i feel like 
be, it was sort of just like propping up that that big lie that we were sold. Mm-hmm. And I think okay. yes, this is a campy, over the top, crazy thriller, erotic thriller. Like, but the, but it it is very reflective of a mindset. It's even interesting too when you because in the the movie at the time, Daphne Rubin Vega's character she's written as you know the the detective partner the detective, to Kevin yeah. Bacon's detective, and she's the only one that's like I don't believe this girl there's something fishy there's something referring wrong. to denise richards when yes. she initially yeah and her. at the time yeah. you're like see it's the female cop she's the only one that knows that the, something's up to no good like good for her and then now watching 20 years later it's like ooh, this well, is weird watching another woman be throw like, another woman with us and not believe her yeah, right. and so it's such a strange like Isn't that strange the idea of feminism back then and a strong empowered women is woman is so different from like I watch, I'm just like you're smart and you're you're not wrong, but also it, it, it's just it's just so strange to watch it now. And I, you know. I know one thing he said. He said, "Don't worry, I didn't come." I can't forget that. He said, "No little girl can ever make me come." No little girl can ever make me come. Jesus. Too bad we might have had some physical evidence. Huh? What? Maybe there's no physical evidence because nothing happened. You want my gut? There it is. I think she's acting. I think she set it up to be alone with him so that he could come on to her. She's upset because he didn't. Maybe she set it up that way. Maybe not. I mean, if you ask me, the guy never should have had her out there in the first place, period. Gloria, the line I have on this guy, he's done half the women in Blue Bay. That doesn't yeah, make right. him a rapist. And then there's that weird scene that comes out of nowhere where she's almost seduced by Matt Dillon within like 30 seconds. You're Isn't like, that, what? Right. What that's is a, happening? Right. What is that even? big thing. Why does that like, even need to be there? That scene had Because no... it's a 90s erotic thriller. Exactly. And everyone's susceptible to sex in these movies. But yeah. I that, wish that... I could walk into like just be in the vicinity of a hot person and be like, I want to do you. I'd be like, cool. It it does kind of feel like it comes out of nowhere that scene with she and Matt Dillon because it doesn't feel true to the character that's been set up. It also doesn't feel true to like normal human behavior. Right. I mean, people in this movie are they don't all, really act like, like they're they're all cartoons, but like yeah. But I think she's the, the most one believable one that you expect to be exempt from it, right? The I most mean, believable one is Robert Wagner, who just acts like a stuck-up rich white dude that things can get away with everything. I'm like, that is on brand. Like that's, yeah, that makes sense. that works. That's actually, yeah. That's, yeah. Robert Wagner didn't know cameras were rolling. He was just playing himself. <laughs> he was just being himself. Yeah. Right. Um, well, so okay. First of all, I think we should recap the plot. Of, the, like we should I, recap. I realize we've been talking about. This. People are like, "What the hell is this movie case, about?" We all we all watched this recently. In case you haven't seen it recently, the big finale is that you find. Uh, Basically, the entire thing was a scam that was set up by Matt Dillon's character. Um, They are trying to set him up to get falsely accused of rape so he can sue Denise Richards' mom and uh get a ton of her money so Denise Richards and Nev Campbell can all split access to it. Denise Richards wants the money because it's in a trust and she can't get it until she's like in her 20s. So they're trying to get the money early and it's an elaborate ruse to like get this done. Yeah. So... Knowing that when it got to the point where you find out that it's a phony rape accusation, I did like brace myself. I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot this was coming and I felt awkward about it. But in the greater scheme of this movie, it is just deceit upon deceit. Everyone is lying to each other Mm -hmm. at all points. And although it is a movie that hinges around a phony rape accusation, 
the fact that it is something it's not Denise Richards making it up out of nowhere. It's Matt Dillon setting up a grander scheme that also turns mm-hmm. out was set up even further down by Nev Campbell. By Nev Campbell, who was so, the real mastermind of the whole thing. Which right. it was hilarious because I remember I just rewatched this, you know, this week and sitting that scene with her just sailing away in the, the boat. And then you, all of a sudden the very end, like you find out that, oh yeah, she's a genius all along. You're like, oh, Okay, well, there was straight from body heat. Zero. There was zero like hint about that anywhere in the in the movie before. And I sat there thinking about back to the plot. I was just like, okay, so they set up this, and they had. I'm like, there was this was the most hilariously unnecessarily complicated plot, like. Yeah, out you're there. just proving that you're not a genius like Susie. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, because I was just like, this just seems so. It made she's for not great smart fun. enough. She's not smart enough to pick out a good wig. I will say. Yeah, oh, no. That, that, no, that, 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 was that a bad blonde wig. wig is leaves a lot to be desired. Not, not yeah. helping her out there. But okay, so uh, again, but, talking about I, Me Too and, and female sexuality, again, I want to say that where I was like prepared for the worst about how this movie would treat female sexuality, I actually thought it was okay the way they dealt with both Nev Campbell and Denise Richards' characters, where I actually don't really feel that they are punished for sex necessarily. They are scheming together, but when they are doing sexual things with each other, they're not doing it because they think anyone's watching them. Kevin Bacon is watching them, but they don't know this. They're yeah. just doing it for the sake of it's something they both seem into. Right. And I was like, oh, this is not as crass. It's like, like they hate fucked each other, basically. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. It was weird. But I think... I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish your point. Sorry. And... Yeah. Nev Campbell's character, Susie, does get away with all of it at the end. Yes. Um, she makes she fucks over everybody. And, and like, Bill Murray knows about it. He's just like, cool, just give me money. Right. And well, he's a lawyer. Yeah. He met yeah. So. Well, also like a low, low rent strip mall lawyer. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, Denise Richards does get killed. There's this scene where there's a struggle with Kevin Bacon's character mm-hmm. and she ends up getting shot to death. And you could view that as her being punished for her involvement in all this like conspiracy or her being punished for having sexuality that she wanted to enact the way she wanted to. But the interesting thing is at the end of the movie, when there's this confrontation between Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon, Matt Dillon kills Kevin Bacon and says, this is for Kelly Mm -hmm. because he was pissed that Kelly wasn't supposed to die. She was supposed to come out alive and he's there. Well, they were, they were supposed to frame her, but not kill her. I think was the plan. They were supposed to frame her. Really? I might've missed that. Yes. And then Kevin Bacon, again, there were so many things in this movie that like, like up to a certain point like oh this is really well plotted and then it was just like twist after twist for the sake of a twist they kind of nowhere it was and then all of a sudden like kevin bacon they spill all this stuff like oh yeah he's been shady the whole time you're like what what is happening these aren't even the characters that i've i've come to know over the past like hour and a half which is i guess sort of part of the point Point. in the movie's favor it's like the movie's all about deception and deceiving the audience everyone's doing but not great writing I, I think that's well. My, I mean, it's it, okay. So it's not. Um, but it's entertaining. It is. It's so over the top. It does not take itself seriously. It's at not all. Lawrence Kasdan who wrote Body Heat, which is arguably a much better movie from the early '80s with Kathleen Turner, but uh, and William Hurt. Um, why am I plugging Body Heat? Um, <laughs> when don't you? <laughs> but um, but I will say that I think it works for what it is, and it's mm-hmm. smarter than it had to be. Right. 
It's yeah. not necessary. I mean, it's empty titillation, but it's still it's smart empty titillation. The, if that I, makes I sense. think it is. It's not that I don't think the twists were smart; they were entertaining. I think it's just that I think maybe it's a style of writing now that you're so used to seeing clues, They're like little you know breadcrumbs and seeds, and then planted. Right. There was none of that in this movie. Where all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. This person's been like there was, or like Nev Campbell, like I said, her character being a genius. There was none of that hinted at. In fact, she is she's you know, reading a very so, brainy book when Kevin Bacon comes to visit her. It's That's true. like the one. What's the book she's reading? Do we know? Uh, I can't remember. The title has death death uh, in it. Death. It's like death by installment or something. I can't remember by, the title. Yeah, something like it's that. A, a a book you wouldn't often see referenced in pop culture. And the fact that she's reading it is a tip off. Like, oh, she's maybe a smart cookie. Mm-hmm. But I would like it. But not she was like, just, like reading criminal mastermind just. smart. Yeah. No, that's yeah. true. I think in like if this was to happen today, it would have been like a 10 episode Hulu series. Yeah. And they would have like stretched it out a little bit more and there would have been more clues. But like, yeah, they yeah. got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. But yes. some of the stuff they did choose to reveal was like, we didn't need to see that. Like the end with her brother where he was like, oh, yeah, she's been boating since she's young. Like we didn't listen. It's like, okay. We have taken literally the entire rest of this movie at face value. You do not need to explain how Nev Campbell knows how to sail a boat. That is the least of our concerns right now. Especially if she's a genius. Yeah. So it's really funny how like things they did explain. You're like, that is not really the main thing I'm hung up on right now. It's all the other stuff that you didn't set up or explain at all. Yeah. Um, But even that was kind of endearing. Yeah. Roger Ebert called the film lurid trash and then said he loved it which i think is very close to like my take on it where it's like this is trash it this doesn't is take lurid. itself seriously and that's what's good you know and roger yes. ebert knows his lurid trash he's mm-hmm. i think that's the saving grace of the movie that is exactly that it doesn't take itself seriously it knows what it is it's a swampy it makes no apologies for it but look yeah there are still problems like think of the representations that we had of lesbians on the big screen pre-1998 we had it, the big budget version, like, you know, the movies that were, um, had a lot of cultural cap, cultural capital, basic instinct, right. huge movie, sociopathic lesbians. Uh, then you had, uh, wild things, sociopathic, sociopathic lesbians. lesbians. And there's always like cruel intentions, the one that's a little butchier than the other one. Right. Yeah. We had personal best. Personal best is much better. No, but no one saw that. Cruel intentions. Watch personal best. I watch personal best. Okay, well, you, you, congratulations. Yeah. But I'm saying like the big movies that were about lesbians, it was always about mm-hmm. the psycho lesbians. But it's who also... killed people and swindled people. I mean, even Bound, where you like the Wachowski brother, or I'm sorry, I... the Wachowski siblings, um, Bound from like their mid 90s, right around this mm-hmm. time, it was uh, Jennifer Tilly was like the, the like very feminine seductress, the lipstick lesbian. Then you had uh, Gina Gershon f- fixing sinks. Playing a character, a lesbian handyman named Corky. Yeah, it's like who you guys, you, <laughs> yeah. you people well, thought that was a good. All but, right, but here's the thing: life goes on. Hello. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily about lesbianism as much as it's women who embrace their sexuality were always always evil because these women also seduced men. Yeah, they just happen to be, also be lesbians, and maybe not even lesbians. They just they had sex with whomever they wanted to have sex with. So I don't know if it's necessarily a lesbian thing as much as it was. That's what was focused on. Mm-hmm. But Denise Richards also had, she was in love with and had sex with, you know, Matt Dillon's Matt character. Dillon. And so, so I think bisexual, it was, but it's the whole, it, it goes sex, back to the Bible. It's the Eve. Fluid, it's Chris. the Eve. Is that, is that a it's bad the thing Eve to archetype. say now? I'm just, honestly like watching this movie, I was looking, f- I was looking for what would be offensive to other people because 
I'm not super sensitive when it comes, like, even about my own, like, like uh, representations of gay people on screen. Like, I'm 36. Like, I'm, I feel like I grew up in a time where this stuff wasn't questioned and there wasn't social media and there wasn't a lot of learning going on. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the things that I'm, like, picking out that I'm like, this seems offensive isn't necessarily stuff that, like, I was offended by, but stuff that I recognize other people might have found offensive. But so I'm still learning, like when I say bisexual, like it's probably true. Like that's probably not the best word to use anymore. That's guess... probably offensive to some people, but it's like, this is all like watching these movies now. It's like, it's also a, pro- a process of like rewatching these old movies and thinking, okay, what's offensive now that wasn't offensive then. Yeah. And trying to pick up on those things because it's hard when you're a person that, is still learning about these things. Like I'm not super like um, well-versed in all of these issues Um, and even gay issues, you know, but I can look at the representations that people were seeing on, on the big screen of lesbians or women who were sexually fluid, women who slept with other women and think, okay, there was like, there was one archetype that Hollywood sort of focused on. And that's basically all the people saw. And it was like these deviant women. It was the femme fatale. It was the, the, any woman owning her, like I wasn't offended watching it at all, but I watched them like kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, Okay, this is very much how it was 20, even 10 years ago, where a woman who owned her sexuality was some sort of deviant or was there was something wrong with her. Because or she's right, women, just not, dangerous. Or dangerous. It, it, again, it, it's the whole Eve archetype. It's women are dangerous. And it, it, that women well, are dangerous because of the sexuality that has gone back centuries throughout history. Sure. And it's it's really interesting that it's only just been within the last few years, I would say, the last handful of years that women openly owning their sexuality on in TV and movies has not been seen as a deviant thing or a, a an evil thing or a conniving thing, but normal because women like sex too. But I think also, interestingly, because I think we were talking about this before we went on mic, which is the fact that people who identify as bisexual are still sort of like demeaned, even like by other, by people in the LGBTQ community to this day because and i feel like part of the reason for that is like characters like um sharon stone's character in basic instinct and denise richard's character in wild things and um uh gina gershon and showgirls like who slept with men and women the bisexual character was always like the most deviant of all right because you never knew like you because you you didn't know where you stood with them but i feel like that there's a that stigma in in part comes from popular culture which also we learned so much about like how we want how we identify people and how we categorize people based on what we see it's also that weird thing too where it's like the weird way that they've categorized or movies have tended to categorize like bisexuals that anybody like literally any human being in front of them was just a conquest waiting to happen where it doesn't even consider that maybe they don't actually want to have sex with you just throwing it out there like it's Mm. an interesting thing that i think it's like the the whole bisexual aspect and it was almost always women and they can't fall in love with a person they're always they just want something out of them they just want sex and they're just like sex fiends because they want sex they're greedy and it's it's a weird yeah yeah, it's a weird these were weird time man they were just a weird (laughs) there was a weird time there was was a really good there's a really good ally mcbeal where ally mcdeal dates a guy who turns out to be bi and at the end of the episode she breaks up with him because she can't stop fantasizing about him having an affair with another guy. She just can't shake it out of her head, even though he's like perfect and very handsome and she's very attracted to him. The fact that he's bisexual like ruins it for her. And this uh-huh. is also the same show that featured a same sex kiss between her and another female character. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, 
that's there are very few portrayals of male bisexuality in like a sympathetic light really. which is also weird because i know we're getting way off of wild things though too but it but kind we of not because like even in in the uh in wild things see i'm going to segue back into it is denise richards is with matt Dillon's character they're She's definitely in love with him. He's maybe in love with her, or he at least cares about her to some yeah, extent. a little bit. But he doesn't care that she makes out or she has sex with Nev Campbell's character because that's also another weird thing, too, where I've known and I've dated so many men who were otherwise like open-minded and progressive, but they'd said that, oh, if you cheated on me with a guy, you know, it would be over. But if you cheated on me, if you made out with a woman, it would be fine. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's still cheating it's still me like physically getting intimate with somebody else it's not you and it was so why is it fine for you if it's a woman but not if it's that might be a a denigration of same-sex like romance they'd be like well if it's between two women it can't possibly as be as strong as no i think it's that whole it's that it's it's true but i think it also goes back to that whole like well that's kind of hot if it's two women yeah you know definitely and and also the whole male like ownership masculinity thing they don't feel like they have to compete with women but they have to compete with other men mm-hmm. yeah so right, that's right. a whole women, path. Other that's women a whole aren't as, aren't as much of a threat that's a whole yeah. gender stereotype toxic masculinity thing we don't need to go down but i think about this stuff a lot clearly no, i mean i think it all pertains to this movie too so i think it's very much on topic can we talk about kevin bacon's penis <laughs> I'm just yes. waiting for this. Um, it's weird that Kevin Bacon was a producer in a movie where he got to show his penis. Uh huh. Um, it's maybe it's the only reason why he took the job. I well, will not do this unless was... I show my penis. Did you know that was accidental? And they no. decided to keep that that cut of the movie. No, I did. I did not read that. Yeah, I, I, what I read um, is that Kevin Bacon flashing his penis was unintentional. It was always supposed to be covered by Matt Dillon in the towel. Okay. But that there was one take that they did where the penis was not properly covered by Matt Dillon. And uh, the editor talked the director to keeping that take. And that's how, and they what, ra- what? ran it by Kevin. And Kevin apparently was like, cool, fine. Does the penis look good? Perfect. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. I'm Kevin Bacon. You, where did you read that? I, I, I was Googling about Kevin Bacon's penis and didn't read that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I think it was mental As you floss. Do. I think it was mental floss. Interesting. Um, um, but... And also, the other interesting thing that I learned... Okay, did either of you sense a homoerotic tension between Kevin Bacon I did. and Matt Dillon in that For scene? For sure. It seemed I, like a mirror to the pool scene just with the two guys. Yes. But then they stopped short of it. Did but, you know that, that was a, they were originally supposed to have, be having an affair? Yes. And that the financiers were not. like, no, this is not cool. There was, okay. there, there was a scene that was written of them in the shower together. And Kissing. it was excised yeah. from the final cut of the movie because... I don't think they ever shot it. John, yeah, no, John yeah. McNaughton was like, it's it's too much. We're not going to do that. Well, I think the financiers got cold feet. Too. Okay, I, I wondered that mm-hmm. because there's definite tension. I mean, you cannot show a naked dude in a shower with another dude in a towel. Ta- like, that's... It's clearly going a place where you expect it to go. And then it stops. And I remember... At the time, I think I watched it when I was younger and I didn't think much of it. But now looking back, I watched it again this week and I was just like, huh, I bet that I bet they just didn't have the guts to go to to carry that scene to its log- yep. logical conclusion because it absolutely is setting up something, but they don't go there. And I'm right. wondering very much if that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Interesting. Because it always felt so random that he was just like in the shower and Matt Dillon was in the, they were like in this room, hotel room together. There was, I mean, and this is also me filling in the blanks as like when I first saw it as a 
gay teenager. Like, like they weren't great friends. No. You know, so there was just such a homoerotic element to that scene. And it's so interesting to now learn that that was the original intention was to have them actually being, be in a relationship. Um, I, I just feel like I got robbed. I don't, I'm going to be honest. The weird thing is I found out a few years ago. It's like, you can see Kevin Bacon's penis in the movie. Maybe my VHS copy was so denigrated that I didn't notice, Oh, but like I well, had it's a pretty quick flash. I mean, mm. I, you think that would have stuck out in my brain, but I had no memory of seeing Kevin Bacon's penis. Any of the times I watched it on VHS <laughs> blanked it out. This is the first time where I was like, oh, there it is. That's a, that's a bacon sausage right there. And again, I think it goes back to like what you were saying about not taking it as seriously is that they were fine showing the two girls having sex and kissing and making out, but Mm -hmm. not the two men because lesbians, I think still to this, aren't taken as seriously. It's It's not, it's a real gayness. It's just two women making out. It's not really gay. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying that quotation. And also there was so much like, I mean, like I was talking about girlfriends of mine who would like make out with each other in bars to like, please the guys. And it was like this performative sort of lesbianism, you know? And so I think it was also, I mean, that obviously was all catering to the male gaze and, you know, who's making decisions about what, what gets in a movie it's guys, you know, mm-hmm. and straight guys are, are there. Of course they're going to get cold feet around that, a, yeah. a gay scene between two guys, mm-hmm. but when it's two women, it's like, Oh yeah, have at it. So because the feminine this will sell tickets. I think it's such a nice fuck you. It's like, yeah, you're going to watch this movie about two girls, like making out in a pool. Ha, you're going to see two guys touch each other's dicks in the shower. <laughs> fuck you. Straight teenagers. <laughs> Tricked yeah. you. But right. it's also that like devaluing of the feminine as well, because two guys, two women making out is sexy, but two guys making out or having sex is not masculine. It's it's that's something that chicks do. It's something that girls do. And so it devalues that whole because femininity is still inherently not seen as valuable as masculinity. And so it's 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 really interesting just seeing how many times like two lesbians on screen has been fine, but so rare that we see two men yeah. kissing. Like even if even TV shows now, if you look at it, like the CW, like superhero shows, for example, a few of them are getting out there, but a lot of the, the gay relationships you see on TV now are lesbian relationships. It's, you very yeah. rarely see gay male relationships, even on TV now. And even with the shows that are being more progressive. Yeah. You're talking about a time when call me by your name is nominated for an Oscar and it didn't show any dick. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is like fine. I mean, it didn't have to show dick. Did we see no dick in that movie? I Ooh, don't believe American Gods. You American saw a dick Dog and, and full frontal sex scene. A really hot, like gay sex scene with a genie, mm-hmm. which was super good. Um, have you, it, you, you like seriously? It's it, it was one of the American more erotic yeah. thing, like male on male scenes I've ever well, seen in anything ever. But like, yeah, it is interesting that I saw more male anatomy in Wild Things than I did in Call Me by Your Name, mm-hmm. which is all about a gay relationship. I'm thinking The Magicians is another TV show that I watched that I really like, and there's an out and openly gay guy and. Uh, he's definitely like he's definitely had like love scenes like no sex they've not gone that far with the show but definitely like like making out with other guys and and kissing and stuff and and even and it's so natural normal in the show you're like oh yeah of course whatever but i realize that's even that's still really rare it's you still usually female relationships you see and it's rare to see um not just uh mostly women kissing or making out but them being in relationships like you very rarely see gay male relationships on mm-hmm. screen let alone them just kissing another man right mm-hmm. just like hooking up mm-hmm. yeah they did would have one on legends of tomorrow with russell tovey and i fell like, off of watching that show yeah. so it was 
it was a, it was rough. It was a struggle to get through that show. So I fell off in season one, admittedly. So we only sorry we're like we're we're going deep, but it, they they did that four part crossover, mm-hmm. and Russell mm-hmm. Tovey and Wentworth Miller are a I couple. Love Wentworth Miller on that show. I oh love really? Wentworth Miller. Um, yes, but I have no idea how often those That's two characters hot. are both showing up. But like the fact that they are male male couple on a show and they're both played by openly gay actors i'm like mm-hmm. oh that's like mm-hmm. that, that, that's kind of rare i mean russell tovey i have a couple issues with but is it his ears <laughs> is this no no, ears? no 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 not nothing physical <laughs> um i would love to grab onto his ears <laughs> no it's more i don't know if you ever saw these comments he made about um i think he had to backpedal and put out a statement or something this is a few years ago where russell tovey was like i'm so glad i had the parents that i had at because otherwise I would have turned into like one of those kind of gay guys. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, like that was a feminine up. kind of gay. Like, like he was did. like very much like priding himself on being like a straight acting gay again, guy. Again, again, uh, he devaluing the feminine. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. still happens. Like it still happens all the time. Like I'm, and especially when I was coming out for the first time to like West, going to West Hollywood gay bars and stuff like that, there was very much the attitude of like, there's like, that kind of gay guy, which is like not as like um, admirable, you know, or like there was like a lack of respect for guys who acted flamboyant, flamboyant or Mm -hmm. feminine. And it was, there's sort of this weird separation between them and guys who are not that um, gay acting in quotes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And uh, I think that's like receded in many ways. And I think we're, we're much more embracing of like, the feminine side of gay men and and not in a way that making them like into a cartoon, you know, like I think in, in a lot of ways, like, like Jack on Will and Grace mm. was like, he was safe because he was so outlandish and wasn't really sexualized in any way. Or you didn't really, I don't know. I don't remember. He was sexualized ever... the way like Bugs Bunny is sexualized. He was like Bugs Bunny. He was yeah. over the top. He was yeah. like that over the top. You know, one of the things that stuck in my head was when I was in college, a sophomore, I had an internship with uh, at Disney World. And so I moved to Orlando for a semester and I worked there. And a lot of the Disney, I assume here in Disneyland, but definitely in Disney World, like the vast majority of uh, men that worked there, a lot of them were gay. Almost all of the princes. I mean, um, I'm shocked. Almost all the princes, except for the one I had sex with. Uh, and wait, 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 which one? Uh, it was Prince Philip. One of them. Which 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 one one's Prince Philip? Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. I don't know. One of the ones that played Prince Philip. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Lost my virginity to Disney. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Prince Philip. Uh, but uh, Sorry, Sleeping Beauty. But so many of the men that work there, uh, both like just in the attractions or whatever, and the actual like characters, they were all gay. And so I had a ton of gay friends when I when I was there. We go out clubbing and go dancing all the time. My one friend Dana, he was he was pretty clearly gay, but he wasn't like over the top and flamboyant. My other friend Dustin was very flamboyant, like very, like, very, like he would dress in drag and very, just very, very effeminate and just loud. And and he was one of the ones who would aggressively hit on straight men, even if this, so it was a little uncomfortable sometimes. Mm. Um, But I still remember we went out once and Dustin showed up and we were all getting ready to get in the car and he was like in full drag and makeup and everything and just loud and flamboyant. And Dana, my more kind of subdued gay friend, he, I mean, he was standing there smoking. He, he was, he's like, honey, he's like, how did he put it? He's like, he's actually said that he's like, honey, it's fags like that that make gay men like us look bad. Mm. And I just remember thinking like, and me, I was pretty young at the time. I was still kind of learning about, you know, gay culture and mm-hmm. had my first gay friends. I was just like, oh, oh, okay. And mm-hmm. it was my first kind of inkling, like, 
it wasn't one big solid family, you no, know? So I, mean, I was like, oh, okay. a lot of that. Okay. It was like, I remember gay pride every year. Like I had friends who were more straight acting. And I'll put that in quotes too, because like, what does that even mean? But like, uh, they'd be like, oh my God, these guys dancing around half naked in like rainbow attire. Like they're giving gay people a bad name. This is what people are seeing all over the world when they look at these gay pride parades footage of these gay pride parades that's what they see and of course and and people hate us because of these people right and so it was almost like they were being blamed for people hating us for like homophobia Mm -hmm. yeah you're making homophobia happen rainbow spandex yeah um i think do we do we have do we do we only get to final thoughts about this well let me let me go through my notes here i only have one Um, final thought about this movie and i'll share it real quick while you're looking at your notes um nev campbell's I think grandma character is played by an actress named Carrie Snodgrass. Oh, I just want to okay. give a shout out for Carrie Snodgrass for not taking a stage name, like becoming an actress and your last name is Snodgrass. Especially at the time that she was coming up. Right. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, do you want to change that? Do you want to be like Carrie Smith or Carrie something else? She's like, Nope, Snodgrass. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to roll with it. Had a relatively good film career. Uh, was in a lot of stuff. Also, and she's very good in the movies. She's good. She's like a little, great. She brings a little gravitas. Yeah, like a brassy older lady like thing to the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, also, randomly, she starred in a movie that my sister in law makes an appearance in. Okay, um, they filmed it in her hometown, and it's called Blueberry Hill or something like that. But it's a Carrie Snodgrass film that apparently, and it's Carrie Snodgrass and you know, in Nightmare on Elm Street three, the one girl who's like the drug addict. The blonde? Yes. No, the the dark hair who's like punked out. Oh, she's the... Yes. Her. Those two are the stars of the movie, and my sister-in-law randomly appears in it. Your sister-in-law is an actor? Does she still act? No, they just filmed it in her hometown, and she got to be in it, and I have no idea what it is, but like in my family specifically, because of that, Carrie Snodgrass carries like a certain level of like clout that I don't think she cares carries anywhere else. (laughs) Also, she's dead, so yeah. Oh. Yeah, R.I.P. Carrie's <laughs> oh. progress, but yeah. Oh. She got sad. That's it. Well, Carrie. she's... Uh, rest in peace, Carrie. Rest in peace, Carrie. Um, what was it? So I, I have some notes. Let's see. Um, oh, one of my favorite lines is... Uh, well, one of my favorite moments is when Denise Richards was telling her mother that she was raped. And the mom is like, she almost gets there to where she can like... She's almost being nurturing. Yeah. But then it just ends the scene with saying, can I get you a Valium? Yeah. I, oh. She's like the precursor almost to um, Amy Poehler's character in Mean yeah. Girls. Yeah, like I'm not one of the. I'm a cool mom. Yeah, yeah. like a horrible enabling mom. I didn't bring this up, by the way. Teresa Russell actually looks like she could be Denise Richards' mom. It's actually a really good bit of the, casting. The, the likeness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They yeah. look like they could actually be related. Alicia, do you have any final thoughts about this uh, trashy, lurid movie? I. D- you know what is funny? I was sitting here thinking about this, even though. It does not depict women well, like, at all it's in this not a, movie. It's not a feminist movie. It's not a feminist movie, but I will give it credit because all of the women are the drivers. Like, they're all in the driver's seat. They're the drivers of the plot. Like, we spend yeah. probably the most time with Matt Dillon's character. Yeah. But he is very secondary to all of the women in the movie who are the ones who are actually driving the plot, actually the masterminds, actually pushing the story forward. So in a weird way... Yeah. That's yeah. feminine. And also, sure. it passes the Bechdel test. Yeah. Um, oh, is it Bechdel? Bechdel test. I yeah. Say Bechdel. Oh, my God. Maybe it's Bechdel. I don't know. I could be saying it wrong. Either way, I think you're right. it I'm passes the you. test. It passes the test, though. And so I was like, you know, it is not feminist at all. 
But in a weird way, it's also super feminist. It is less anti-feminist than I thought it would be. I don't know if that makes it actually feminist, but I, oh, I, I no. was prepared. No, no, for, so I was prepared for the worst yeah. with this movie, and was surprised by how many times it jagged away from being the absolute worst version of these stories. I mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. I sometimes I just want to. You know what? Sometimes I just want to sit and watch a movie and just be entertained. You know what I mean? There's still mm-hmm. that like old school part of me that's just like. Can we all just like relax for a second? I just want to like enjoy like Teresa Russell just acting like a maniac and, and Nev Denise, Campbell's the like Denise Richards slapping girl. Nev Campbell in a pool and like not think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But of course, like in this time that we're now living in, like you can't help it. There's always like, a part of my brain these... that's always picking it apart. But there's, there's that like primal part of me that just, I'm just like I just want to enjoy this for like the exploit exploitative movie that it is this movie doesn't treat any of its characters none of its characters come out looking good in this movie so in that sense and that's it's very egalitarian because they're all messed up assholes yeah agreed agreed except for carrie snodgrass she actually comes out okay (laughs) um all right well i think that's gonna do it for us and the alligator wrestling brother uh and the alligator and the alligator. And the alligator, the alligator really well. wins. The alligator's the. I think the alligator is the most um, likable of all the characters. The alligator's the MVP here. Yeah. There we go. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Alicia, it's been Thanks. lovely to have you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, would you like to tell people where they can find you on social media? Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, probably too much. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me uh, at Alicia Grouso. Spell it. Yeah, that's a weird one. A L I S H A G R A U S O. Thank you. Um, You can find me at Chris J. Egertson on Twitter. Um, Drew. And you can find me at Drew G. Mackey, M A C K I E. Uh, You can follow We Are Not Young Anymore on Twitter and Instagram at Wanya Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at We Are Not Young, Facebook.com slash We Are Not Young Anymore. Uh, we have an official website we are not young anymore.com you can listen to us on soundcloud itunes stitcher google play all of them all you just any any of the any of the uh things you can find us on any of the things (laughs) if you give us a rate and review on itunes and you mention kevin bacon's penis we will mention your name on the next episode yeah no but really please rate and review us and and also kevin bacon's penis yeah yes yeah um, if you just want to leave a review that says Kevin Bacon's penis and gives and, and give it five, just rate us five stars and say Kevin Bacon's penis. I don't care. Just we will personally review. thank you for that. some dude checking data on like Netflix or Amazon, wherever this movie you can find it. They're going to be like, man, there are, there's an uptick in people watching this movie. <laughs> and but weird. just forwarding right to the very last, <laughs> the right. very end. Yeah, yeah. We'll say right now. Um, we can. There's a way we can actually dub this in, but if you want to skip ahead to the Kevin Bacon's penis part, just go to one hour, twenty nine minutes and thirty seven seconds. Oh, you're you're going to tell people what this timestamp is? Yeah, the yes. timestamp okay. to see Kevin Bacon's penis. If Perfect. You wanna, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and join us next episode for a new movie. Bye. 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 Yay. Bye.